Welcome back to Life on Added. I'm your host, John Aberly. Beautiful weekend. Hey, some sunlight, and it's still cold, but there is sunlight. That that will disappear later today, I'm sure. Oh, great thought there. Uh, who is becoming my consistent co-host <laughs> is Bill Young here from uh, Moldenmore. And the reason that Bill is back today is we're going to get a little technical. We're going to finish up the last, uh, we'll say, segment, 10, 15 minutes of the show we did a couple weeks ago on the decontaminant Easy Decon. Unfortunately, I had to cut the owner of the company, IntelliGuard, and the product, Dennis Smagus, off. But we're going to bring him back right now, and we're going to allow him to finish up a few of the statements he needed to make. Dennis, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me, John and Bill. Uh, Pleasure. No, no problem at all. Dennis, um, before I had to so rudely cut you off a couple of weeks ago, and again, I apologize for that, we were talking about um, uh, things that were up and coming for IntelliGuard and for the decontaminant Easy Decon DF200, and you have a company that you've signed with, a very large company, that is ready to launch the product. Can you give us a little bit of information without breaking any protocol? Uh, sure. The company name is VWR. They're actually located there in Philadelphia. It's a global network of um, a group of folks, and what they do is they reach out into over 178 countries worldwide. Um, they serve them, uh, a host of different market niches and applications with the products and uh, technology that they offer, and they're bringing on the Easy Decon DF200 formula. And as we were told, this is a one-of-a-kind formula for them and their arsenal of offerings to their different clients throughout the country and other parts of the world. Uh, we're all very, very excited about this launch. Uh, we will get going within about the next uh, four or five weeks' time frame. This gives us an opportunity, us and Teleguard, the company, an opportunity, and more importantly, the Easy Decon DF200 formula, uh, a chance to be uh, utilized in a host of different market niches it currently doesn't serve um, with a technology, again, that's uh, inherently biodegradable, uh, non-detectable in soils within 45 or within 24 hours. So it's a definitely a next-generation technology that uh, VWR will be pushing out into their market space. So in essence, this is going to give IntelliGuard the opportunity to have pipelines, to have a distributor who already is set in the world with all of their distribution centers set up to help you uh, be able to sell the uh, Easy Decon DF200. So that is their job. They, are, they will be the distributor of this product. You'll be working closely with them, I would assume. Uh, yes, we will. We'll be, um, I'm assuming, pretty much on a daily basis supporting efforts with their sales teams around the country and the world um, to, you know, further educate them and spin them up, so to speak, on the capabilities of the formulation. And how long is this process? I'm curious about this. I know through working in business, these things don't come together overnight, even though it looks like they're going to and they're promised to. Has this been a long process for you, for IntelliGuard, for the people that work with you? It's taken over two years to get to the point where we, we have an agreement in place with the VWR team. Uh, now that we do have that in place, the, um, fortunately, they're fast-tracking um, the educational curve that's needed for the sales team to start pushing us out, what we expect and believe to be within the next four to six weeks. Wow. So things are finally starting to come together for you guys. Yes. That's pretty. Now, I know Bill Young is involved uh, with you. 
as far as the Easy Decon DF200 goes. I know Bill is involved on the business end as well as the technical end. Bill, I'll ask you, how do you feel about how things have progressed to the point where it looks, hey, we're going to launch? Well, it feels a lot better than it did two years ago when we started. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you didn't have a beard then, if I remember. I, exactly, yes. And, and it wasn't as gray as I am now. Uh, but uh, I think it's it's really it's good, and it feels good to, to be at this point where we're on the cusp of actually getting this out there. Um, I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned the inherent biodegradability, Dennis. I think that's something we need to emphasize even more. Um, and this is a verified biodegradability. I mean, the laboratory tests have shown that it, it's biodegradable. Its initial uh, development, that was one of the requirements, and that is a great selling point because we do live in an environment that is a massive chemical soup, and being able to offer something that can decontaminate some of those chemicals as well as some of the dangerous biologicals makes a big difference. Uh, just the knowledge that it's biodegradable when we're done. We're not leaving something behind that's going to be toxic. No, it seems to have a little bit of everything that everyone might be looking for. Um, I read over a few lists of, of its capabilities and was quite stunned. I mean, let's let's take the military component out of it for a moment. It speaks for itself there uh, on the military side and what it can do as far as protection from breaking down biological and chemical weapons what it can do on the commercial side of decontaminating schools because they have uh, airborne issues, mold and so forth. What it could do possibly, the, something you and I talked about, Bill, um, stadiums, college, high school, football stadiums, the turf, the next turf, the AstroTurf, where there's problems with uh, disease, MRSA, cropping MRSA up. These are places yeah. to look at to use the decontaminant. So I think you get the best of both worlds, it looks like, with this product. You get the military end, and its original uh, design or development was for uh, uh, protection, breakdown of uh, anthrax and SARS. And then over time, it just, if, if correct me if I'm wrong, it developed into something much more because people were finding out what else it could do. Yeah, I think that was part, actually part of the original development, too. Yes, there was a chemical incident that, or a biological or a chemical weapon incident that, that sort of started the ball rolling. Uh, but then they were also looking at a number of biological pathogens. Um, and, and what we're seeing is that some of those pathogens are actually entering into the regular atmosphere, uh, the day-to-day the -day atmosphere and uh, so I think it's it's providing opportunities with regard to that and uh, it's it's safety and use is is fantastic that's excellent big big selling point Dennis uh, now that you're at the doorstep you're ready to kick it in the screen door now the big doors already open just the screen door is blocking you you kick the screen door in <laughs> what <laughs> you, you got to give a visual to the people they got to visualize what you've been going <clears throat> I can do a whole thing there um, what now? Uh, um, you're there, but do you, are you looking for investors? If you are, I want to help you get those. Give me a little background on that, what you're looking for. 
Yes. Um, well, you know, the quest for additional um, uh, funding within the company is is needed, especially now at this point in time with this most critical launch coming up with VWR, as well as with a couple of other organizations uh, in the United States that are either nationwide or worldwide. So the need for investment dollars are pretty significant at this point in time. If anybody that is listening to this program has any uh, interest or, or curiosity on that, we would ask and urge them to either send us, uh, uh, give us a call so we can discuss it. Could you, in a roundabout way, just can you give a number of what you might be looking for? Don't want to press you hard on that. Just a roundabout number you might be looking for where a group might be able to get together and approach you with. You know, uh, it, 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 it could vary depending on, you know, the level of investment uh, into the company. And then I'd say anywhere from a quarter million to three plus million dollars. Wow. Okay, so that's something definitely take a look at. There's there's so many openings that have come up in the last, what would you say, Dennis, in the last year, year and a half, um, new areas of exploration where DF200, uh, EZDCon, in its many forms, um, has turned out to be a plus in areas that we never anticipated. Absolutely, and there's there are multiple. There's there's really literally dozens of opportunities, and as a small or even large company, we have to pick our targets uh, most strategically to make sure that we're putting the best bang for the buck in the areas that will generate a revenue stream, uh, if not immediately in the in the short or near term. That means we're going to have you guys on again. <laughs> Maybe it's like, like a never-ending uh, story there. Gee, well, Dennis. Um, I'm going to let you go on that note because coming up behind you, we have uh, people involved in the firefighting uh, trade. We have Bill Banks, a business manager for FireTech, and we have Cindy L., who is a retired firefighter who is leading the charge against, uh, well, for firefighters who have cancer. And it appears that the Easy Decon DF200 might be involved in this as well as far as being able to help the firefighters decontaminate, help me build turncoats, bunker gear, correct? Turnout coats, bunker Turnout gear. Dunk, bunker yes, gear. and John, it's, it, it, it's not a matter it might be involved. It is very directly involved there with we go. this as far as using this formula to decontaminate or neutralize the chemicals that are on, on the surface or impregnated into the bunker and turnout gear um, with the probability of leaving absolutely no byproducts, um, which will translate into uh Removal, uh, neutralization of all those chemicals, uh, which will hopefully minimize or alleviate most of the cancers that the firefighters are now getting because of the chemical soups they have to go fight fires in these days. This will be. Well, this even goes back to uh, to nine eleven. It does go and back to nine eleven. So, yeah. so there's a lot here then. Yeah, Dennis, I appreciate it. I look forward to talking with you soon. Good luck on the launch, and uh, put it bluntly, man, you're in my prayers. Hope it all works out for you. Thank you, gentlemen. And before I get off, uh, the company phone number here is 303-309-6309. And our website is www.intelligard.com. Thank you all for your time. Thanks, Dennis. Well, there you go. We're going to roll into a break. Uh, then we're going to come back, and we're going to go right into, well, cancer and firefighters. Uh, could be it should be an interesting a, show there. It's a really powerful topic, uh, as well as it should be. Yeah, I mean you got people. I mean that old saying: there's people running out of the fire, then you got the people running in. Yeah, and the folks on 9/11, um, it took 
years and John Stewart to uh, finally get them what they needed in terms of compensation for the damage done. That's still not enough. You know, there's a haunting picture, and I want to get this out of my system. Um, and uh, I saw it in, like, a, I think it was Time Magazine or whoever it was that did a historical recount of what happened at 9-11. And there's a firefighter going up the steps of one of the towers as the people are coming down. All he has is an axe. That's it. He has an axe. And he's going up as they are coming down past him. And someone was, it's, it was said that he was never seen again. Yeah. I mean, that's just amazing. And God bless these people for doing their work. You're listening to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. We'll be back in a few moments. Welcome back to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my God, continuing co-host, Bill Young, uh, who is the president and owner of Mold and More Remediation here in Exton, Pennsylvania. And the reason I have Bill back on, we're going to get technical again uh, about this product we've been discussing now for a second show, Easy Decon DF200. I know people are going, why is he so into a chemical? <laughs> but as you know, the show goes anywhere and everywhere. And I think the chemical is tremendous, what it can do and what it can potentially do. And a big topic of what it can do and who it can really help has come up. Firefighters. Uh, there appears to be more cancer is being detected uh, as far as uh, with, you know, with firefighters going into the situation, going into the fires. They're trying to figure out where this is coming from. How is it getting there? How is it affecting them? And it appears, again, that the Easy Decon DF200 might, or we think, holds the secrets in how to decontaminate the bunker gear and the turnout coats, correct, Bill? I have no doubt that it will do the job that needs to be done, and the evidence is, is abundant. But we'll talk about that. Well, I've got two guests uh, who are on the front lines with this, uh, Cindy L., and I have Bill Banks. Uh, from FireTech. We're going to go to Cindy first. We had her on a couple weeks ago as we were closing out the show. Cindy's background is extremely impressive, and I hear firefighting, no I hear sirens. Yeah. That Bill, Bill, are there sirens yes. behind you? Bill Banks? Yes, sir. <laughs> there we go. I think Bill told me yesterday he's at a training uh, oh, place. He's at a training, yeah, yeah. He's at a training place. And Cindy's background, uh, coming in, she was a firefighter. She worked in uh, as a paramedic. <laughs> in critical care situations, and unfortunately, she herself contracted cancer in 2005. Cindy, I want to bring you on. Talk about your involvement. Talk about uh, with the Firefighter Cancer Foundation and uh, just the different things that are happening right now. Good morning, and thanks for having me back. Uh, I'm also at the Florida Fire Academy in uh, beautiful Ocala, Florida today. Great. Uh, <laughs> Good time of year was, for that. Uh, for, <laughs> it's, it's nice here. Yes, it is. Um, you know, we're fortunate that uh, you know, I came into the fire service about 33 years ago, and we have changed and transformed a lot in, in a lot of ways, but not enough in some key ways with regards to some of our health and safety practices of what we do and what we have basically access to right now for technology. 
it's it's been uh, an accelerated time of change over say the last 10 years in the fire service because we realized that we have an extraordinary amount of cancer for our occupation as compared to other occupations that are out and with trying to attribute now the, the whys and wherefores, in other words, the science and the medicine behind these and how they relate directly to operational practice. Ah. And, and ah, Cindy. Ah, I think we lost Cindy. Cindy, if you can hear me, try to call us back. The number is 610-701-9243. Fred, my producer, will uh, will pick up immediately. Bill, you're still there. Bill Banks? Yes, I am. Okay, sorry, Bill. I I, I get to go to you by default here. But <laughs> <laughs> it was ladies first. Had to go that way. Bill, you've got a pretty interesting background yourself. Um, you're the business manager for FireTech. Oh, wait, uh, is Cindy back? Uh, Bill, you're back in the dugout. Hold on. Okay, no problem. <laughs> ladies first. Got to go that way. Cindy, you're back with us. Please continue. Sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and we, we have to get uh, creative. Sometimes we're doing this, uh, you know, from the field as well. Yep. Um, but what I'm saying is that the service, uh, the fire service has changed not only dramatically over the last 30 years um, in many ways, but also not enough in some key ways affecting our health and safety. And the, the biggest things recently in the last 10 years, we've realized we have an extraordinary amount of cancer for our occupation versus others that, uh, that folks do. And we're having to look at the whys and wherefores of how we operate, our, our actual gear, how we affect, um, you know, the chemicals that we're exposed to and how they affect us. And so we've had to look at the science and the medicine like never before and try to apply basically traditional uh, etiologies and research conditions and situations to those that are anything but traditional. Interesting. So, it, I do. Uh, you're seeing studies. Have there been official studies that are showing these trends? And the reason I ask, I, I am aware of one. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was called, but I do know the parameters it was in. Uh, it was the Philadelphia firefighters. It was Chicago and San Francisco. Bill, yes. you might know this. Bill, Bill Young, correct me if I'm wrong. The study ran from 1950 up to, I'm going to say at least 2010, where Correct. they looked they looked deep into the firefighters from these three major cities to find out how much cancer was there, why did they get it, and what type. And uh, I'll go back to Cindy, I guess, on that one. Cindy, how accurate or how do you feel about that report? So prior to that, uh, in 2006, Grace LaMasters from the University of Cincinnati and her team uh, put together basically a, uh, a an update of all the other studies that were already out. And there, prior to that, there were 19 basically uh, morbidity and mortality studies that, that presented from around the world. And unfortunately, from almost the year 2000, actually 1996 to about 2006, there was very little study with regards to our occupation as a whole. Uh, there was some work done in New Zealand, some work done in Canada, uh, Sweden, a few other countries. But again, as an occupation, we just were not on the radar as one that was being exposed uh, to heavy chemicals, let alone one that was becoming, at a very alarming rate, sick. 
So, yes, the, the study that came out from NIOSH that you're referencing was the latest. It also showed an update on the trends for mortality and morbidity within the Caucasian male fire service predominantly. Hmm. Uh, and uh, so with that, we present a challenge of how do we also look at our minorities within this workforce? Interesting. And how do we study folks that are with outside of the Caucasian service and the health issues that affect them? And that's something that we're trying to figure out now so that we can fit basically scientific and end medical programming as we've known it to present. Bill Banks. Uh, yes, sir. He, business manager, FireTech, was established in 2008. You've got over 20 years in the firefighting services. And FireTech is very much involved with the leading manufacturers of different products in the industry. Can you tell me what you're seeing on your end there as far as cancer uh, uh, situations like that and what's being done to help counter it? Yeah, like Cindy said, there's been numerous studies <clears throat> that have been done, and we're in the South Florida area, and we're working a lot with the uh, University of Miami Sylvester Center there conducting studies right now with some of our local fire departments and trying to get a handle on this. I mean, just some of the numbers that are out there, testicular cancer, firefighters at 2.2 times greater risk than uh, the general public, skin cancer, we're at 1.39, prostate cancer, 1.28, brain cancer, 1.31, colon cancer, 1.21, and the list goes on and on. And it's simply because we're dealing with products that are combustible that are in homes that were never in homes before. Hmm. And some of those products coming off that are being produced are benzene, styrene, uh, toluene, formaldehyde, hydrogen cyanide, arsenic. And um, what happens is we were under the impression years ago um, when we didn't have breathing apparatus that we were breathing this in, and that's what was causing it. And we're starting to find out that our bunker gear that we wear really doesn't protect us as fully as we thought it did because there's gaps and openings in it. Um, where the coat and the gloves meet, we're starting to see that the smoke can travel up our arms. Where our boot and our pants meet, we're starting to see it can travel up our legs. Um, where our coat and our pants meet, we're starting to see that we can get it around our stomach. And then the biggest thing is our hood that we wear around our neck. Um, there are currently some new hoods that are being produced in a three-ply that are gonna stop the smoke from getting around our neck. But that has been the weakest link in our turnout gear over the past 20 years. Um, and what happens is when our body temperature heats up to 5 degrees uh, from what it normally is, our skin absorbs 400 times more. So we're absorbing all these chemicals into our skin. Yeah, your pores open up, yeah. Pores are opening. Yep. And I'm a prime example. I'm a non-smoker, non-user of tobacco. Before I was getting ready to retire from the fire service, I did a life scan. I found nodules on my thyroid. I have to get these nodules biopsied every two years. And the only thing that I can attribute that to is the hood that I had around my neck that sat around my neck for hours at a time. Now, it's, it's God, I'm kind of pulled in a couple directions with this. Bill, and, and, and I'll go to Cindy, too, and I'll go to Cindy first. Do you feel like this should have been known or at least being looked at way before it's gotten to this point, Cindy? Absolutely. Um, yeah, personally, I started tracking these carcinogens over 25 years ago. Uh, over 20 years ago, I identified diesel exhaust 
as one common denominator chemical that every first responder is exposed to. And yet, 20 years ago, I was pretty much considered a pariah because I asked questions. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my fellow firefighters that were asking these questions also were pretty much ostracized because we dared to step out of the normal box and say, hey, wait a minute, um, something is wrong here, and, and how do we go about determining what is really wrong, and then how do we try to fix this? We think there's a problem, but if we can't identify the problem, we can't come up with a solution to the problem. I can't argue that. I, I have to believe that this large study we talked about a few moments ago, uh, the one that involves Philadelphia, Chicago, and San Francisco uh, 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 fire departments, this has to be the beginning of what hopefully will be the end of the problems. I, I assume this study is extremely important. It is. The other challenge is that this was not considered a, a frontline issue. Uh, you know, health and safety and this type of record keeping was not considered a priority, uh, nor was actually looking at the status of one's health as a workforce. It was not a priority. The priority was making sure that the fire equipment was kept in operational readiness and that it got out the door and that it was hopefully staffed. So, you know, again, where when you're looking now at a health issue that has become of extraordinary uh, consequence, now we're scrambling as an industry to try to figure out how do we fund all these things that now we're forced to do because people are dying. That's how it And they're not is. dying a, a quick and easy death. They're dying a horrendous death as a result of their service to their community. Right, Cindy, Bill Banks. Give me a minute here. We're going to, we're going to cut out. We got to take a break. Then we'll be right back. You're listening to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Aberly. Today we're talking about firefighters and cancer. Be right back. Welcome back to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my guest star, Bill Banks. He is the business manager for FireTech. Bill, real quick, can you give us your contact information, your website? Yeah, our website is www.firetech.com. Excellent. Second guest today is Cindy L. She's the president and founder of, and God, I lost it, the Firefighter Cancer Foundation. Cindy, real quick, your uh, information, website. Yes, it is www.ss, as in firefighter, cancer.org. And we have a toll-free number, 866-411-3323. Excellent. And, and people can call that number, Cindy, and get some direction uh, if they're having uh, what they think are cancer-related issues to being a firefighter. Absolutely. That, that number hits uh, no less than three telephones. They can leave a text or voice message. And we'll respond to them promptly. Excellent. No, oh, Bill Young, give us. <laughs> go ahead, Bill. Give us your, your information. Yeah, Moldemore Decon. Uh, it's www.moldn is in Nancy M O R E D E C O N dot com, and the number locally is six ten five nine zero zero three eight zero. I'll just bill you in a couple of weeks, right? Okay. <laughs> uh, bill, Bill Banks. Now, yes. uh, your background again. We talked about that with FireTech. And you were mentioning just before the break that the suits that firefighters wear, the, the bunker gear, the turnout coats, the neck scarves, uh, 
studies are showing that there's gaps in those. Uh, lack of protection, areas like you said, around the stomach area, around the neck and throat area, the arms. So there are gaps here that are allowing these chemicals to seep in. Then the body, you guys are moving constantly, men and women fighting the fires. You're sweating. Your pores open up, which allow these chemicals to come in even harder and faster. Now, my question first goes to Bill Banks here again with this. Bill, I was always under the impression as a layperson that when firefighters came back from making a run, that they were somehow being decontaminated. Or at the very least, there was a guy there with a hose blasting them with water to get all the soot or whatever off of them. That is not the case, is it? No, that is not the case, and that's where we're trying to move forward <clears throat> to get gross decon out in the field for these firefighters so that we can get this soot removed off of them as soon as possible, and that's our focus at FireTech. Um, we have a fireground decon kit that we produce, and we're in the process of creating the first all-natural fireground decon towel for these guys so that when they're on scene, they can go into a pop-up pod that sits next to their truck and actually use this decon towel to clean themselves, all natural products in it, and then put on a second change of clothes uh, prior to going back to the station. And then once they get back to the station, they can then shower and get clean. Now, a part of me sees this as being very macho. Even the women, even the women, I mean, they got to prove themselves. You know, like it or not, it's still a man's world inside the firefighting community. I don't believe it should be completely that way. I'm just saying I think how the mentality is. So there is this very strong, very macho mentality. We're, we're going to take on the world. They bring it back to the station with them, don't they, Bill? They bring it that back, and, and, and they don't take off the turncoats and clean them out or anything. They kind of hang them there like a badge of honor with all the different soot and marks on them. Yep, that is correct. I have to say that uh, I was at fault for that. I wore my helmet as a badge of honor. Um, I was a battalion chief with the City of Fort Lauderdale Fire Rescue Department, and my white helmet as a battalion chief was as black as could be, um, kind of a badge of honor, kind of a seasoned veteran, and I made the mistake and wore it as a badge of honor, and it cost me. I've been cut on on my forehead where my sweatband mm. sat on my forehead on my helmet. I've been cut on two times for skin cancer. Um, I have put out videos on our website, on our Fireground Decon Store page, Facebook page, uh, trying to relay this to younger guys in the fire service that that is not a badge of honor. It's a badge of stupidity up on top of your head if you're wearing your helmet dirty, and you need to uh, clean your helmet. Cindy, your background, same thing. You're a strong woman. You're strong mentally, physically. You were playing with the boys. You, you know, this is you. You want to be a part of this. Did you look at this also as a badge of honor and how you handled certain things? Absolutely. And I was, I was fortunate that when I came on, um, you know, we still basically got to ride the tailboard. So I got to experience what the previous generation knew as norm normalcy, basically, of the fire service. You, know, you didn't wear an air bottle. You didn't protect your lungs. You went in, you breathed, and you swallowed as much smoke as you could handle until you were puking and it was running out your nose. And this is how you prove, prove basically your strength and your conviction as a firefighter. It didn't matter whether you were a man or woman. You basically just had to man up and suck it up. 
And so, yes, um, and we stayed in our gear. You walked around in it. You lived in it. Um, we took it not only back to the fire station, but we took it home to our families as well, not wow. realizing that we're sharing all these carcinogens with our families and exposing them to these cancers, too. Just like that movie with Kurt Russell, yeah, where he plays Bull, and all he yeah. goes into the fires with is an axe. Yes. Which, I mean, I'm, I was watching that going, everyone's got a breathing apparatus on, but this man is going into the fire, but that's the mentality. And I guess, and I guess you can both help me with this too. If you, if you haven't, if you're not living it, you probably know people who are. The legacies, your father was a firefighter, your uncle, your brother, maybe your mother was a paramedic, your feet. That's all part of this, isn't it? This is one community, a group amongst themselves that stand apart from the rest, correct? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, my dad was a, a Fort Lauderdale firefighter. He started in 1963. He retired in 1992. And uh, I started in 1998, and I retired in 2014. Wow. Well, now I'm going to turn to uh, our expert here on, <laughs> on the chemical part of it, the Easy Decon DF200, because that, I have to say, a peer. But I know you're going to tell me it does. But on my end, I have to say up here, appears to be playing a big part in how this might be fixed. And my question is, I want to go back. Bill Banks gave us a great, I thought, description of the gaps in his uniform, uh, the stomach air. We have this turncoat's bunker gear. The, the neck was very interesting, I thought, with the firefighting scarf and hood. You would think that would give full protection. Not the case. And... The turncoats I really find interesting because you did tell me about this, so I'm gonna I can kind of go a little bit here with it, and you're you're gonna need to explain what it is when I'm done. The off gases, which is, and you'll explain it as well. Uh, during a fire, the the soot, the chemicals that lay on the coats, when they come back out of the fire, get back to the station, there's still all those chemicals on the coats. And what happens is all over time, that day, it starts to give off what you would call off gases of those chemicals, Bill? Yeah, well, let's, let's break it down a little bit. Um, the soot, the smoke that you see, that's actually particulate. And that soot is going to be like a powder on there. That's going to get released. It contains, to some degree, whatever chemicals have, have been released in an, in an incomplete burning situation. That's what smoke is. It's incomplete combustion. Then you add to that things that, um, a, what, 50 years ago we didn't run into or firefighters didn't run into because we didn't have all of the various synthetic materials in the buildings that are burning. And now we've added a whole new set of chemicals, and what you're getting is the stuff that you can't see called a gas, and that impregnates into the fabric. It's going underneath the fabric, like Bill talked about. It goes up the legs. It's not just the smoke going up the legs, it's the gases. Just to give you a quick example, uh, I was listening to a, a speaker the other day talking about a fire up in Rhode Island where the firefighter that was running the pumper truck which is not sitting right in front of the building that's burning, it's going to be some distance away, supplying water to the fire was overcome by hydrogen cyanide, which was being emitted by the fire, and he almost died. Had they not had the appropriate antidote there, he would have died as a result of cyanide exposure at a distance from the fire. These firefighters that are fighting the fire are in the midst of that fire. All of those gases are, are impregnating their turnout gear, their clothing, uh, their underwear, 
that hood, all of those things are getting some of that because the gas passes right through and you end up with that level of exposure in a body that's now up, like Bill said, five degrees higher than normal temperatures, the pores have opened up, all of that gets absorbed, and then to boot, when they leave the fire, their turnout gear is going to continue to off-gas for an extended period, 24, 48, 72 hours later, it's still off-gassing at peak rates. Now, that's what I need you to explain. Now, when we say, you're saying off-gassing, and I'm getting a visual of it in a weird way, they come back from the fire. Uh, they let's say they they just decide to hang up their coats. They you know they take everything down. They hang it up. Are you saying that if I went back six, seven, eight hours later, had a device where I could measure this, I would be able to measure product? There would still be measurable off, product coming off off of these. Turncoats. Yeah. Give you an I give you an idea of something that would be in a normal everyday situation. You paint your living room. You use a low VOC paint. You go out for lunch because you finished before lunch. You come back into your house afterwards. It still smells a little bit like ammonia because of the latex paint. It's off-gassing, and it'll continue to off-gas for an extended period of time. Like carpet. Carpet, same carpet. thing. I mean, you, you just or, got me thinking carpet now. Yeah. Carpet's laid in a new home or laid in a home. There's going to be that smell for a while. New car smell is off-gassing from the various chemicals that are present in the fabrics oh, and contents in the me. car. Yeah, no, well, it really is not good. I mean, if you look at your windshield in your car, if you're a non-smoker, but the inside of your windshield still gets all hazy, yeah. you have to clean it periodically, that's off-gassing from the plastics in your dashboard that are heating up during the day as the sun pours in there, and that gets clings to the windshield. It and that's what firefighters are experiencing wow. at a much more magnified rate. Wow, wow. Uh, man, I'm, I again, stuff you don't think of. And, and I just got the high sign here from Fred, my producer. So we're going to take another break. Then we're going to come back for the final segment. And I, you just opened up a lot of more questions that I got. You're listening to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today we are talking about firefighters and cancer. We'll be right back. Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Aberly. We are talking cancer and firefighters today. My guest, and I'll start with uh, Cindy L., who is the founder of the Firefighter Cancer Foundation. Cindy, please give us your contact information. The website is www.ff, as in firefightercancer.org. Bill Banks, give us your fire tech information, your company. Yes, it is www.firetechinc.com. Bill? And it's Moldmore Decon. M O L D N is in Nancy, M O R E D E C O N dot com. And the phone number is locally is 610 Before we took the break, we were talking about um, how firefighters are personality wise, what they do. It's a macho, strong woman type place. Um, and then, Bill, we turn to you on the technical end here. Now, what do we do here? Now, you're telling me the Easy Decon DF200 is the answer. How do you incorporate this now into the firefighting community culture? And let's just them right there. I, that that might be a problem. I don't know. But then we're talking the business end of it. And people, you know, 
It doesn't matter what you're doing. Everything is business. Go ahead, Bill. Yeah, I think I don't think that um, easy decon is the answer. I think it's a answer. Okay. In a in a complex environment where there's a number of things, and Bill made reference to it. They're, the new hood that they're coming out with is going to help to protect the firefighter from absorption of of those byproducts from that combustion. Uh, I think those are good things. I think what Cindy's doing with the Firefighter Cancer Association in in, in bringing up, or foundation, in bringing up awareness of this is another integral piece in this because if we, if we aren't aware of it, then we can't change it. We can't make changes in things we don't know about. Easy Decon in and of itself, because of its track record and its ability to break down chemical bonds, we see, or I see, and, and Bill Banks and I have talked about this, uh, we see this as a way to break those chemical bonds, reduce that off-gassing right from the fire scene. Uh, and a corollary to this is uh, municipal divers, commercial divers, uh, Navy SEALs. When they go driving, they don't wear wetsuits like in Sea Hunt back in the days, <laughs> right? They wear dry suits. Those dry suits have every seam sealed with tape so that they're not getting any of the potential chemical or biological threats that are contained in the water up against their skin. When they come out of the water, before they remove their gear, while they've still got their breathing apparatus on, all of that, they actually get deconned with Easy Decon to kill off any biological or chemical threat that's on the exterior. They don't remove those items until that is done, and that's what we're looking at for firefighters. When they leave that fire scene, as they're walking away, we find a way to apply Easy Decon to begin the decontamination process at the scene, then take their turnout gear, bag that so that it can then go to fire tech or back to the station, wherever it is that they do their normal laundering for the the equipment and use Easy Decon or its corollary, which is called Turnout Clear, um, to accomplish that task for a final cleaning. And what we have to look at is the number of times that you can actually do that laundry process with the turnout gear. It's limited just because of the nature of the gear. And even the manufacturers say you've got a limited number of washings, all that sort of thing. So the uh, regular cleaning that occurs as they're coming out of the fire may reduce the number of times that they have to go to the more advanced cleaning where they're actually laundering it. We can we can make it safer, and it's going to be a help. Is it going to be a fix? No, we've got to take a look at a lot of other factors because it's a complex environment, and we're a complex environment. One of the dilemmas with this is that science doesn't deal well with complex issues. It deals real well in experimental settings with a particular variable and all other variables are eliminated. So it makes it easy to say, well, this particular thing didn't cause that because we don't see the direct link. It may not be a single thing that co that's causing this. It may be the multiplicity of chemicals they're exposed to that may be leading to these cancer diagnoses, the change in their system that's creating the cancer. Interesting. Bill Banks. Yes. Cost effective or is this going to be a hard sell? I think it will be cost-effective down the road, but it's going to be a hard sell at the beginning because, unfortunately, firefighters are based on tradition, and we do not like new things in the fire service, and it's very hard to break that tradition. Cindy, uh, you're on the front lines with this. You and your foundation, the Firefighting Cancer Foundation, how do you see yourself moving forward 
to affect these changes that need to be made? So we were the first last year to introduce the zoning of a fire ground uh, and to do it in a way that basically chiefs and leaders in the service can take a simple matrix and looking at the fire as the hot zone, as your contaminated area, and then progressively working out. Every fire is now a hazardous materials incident, and we're having to change our thinking that every time you go on any kind of a fire now, those combustibles, those chemicals are things that are not normal to our human body and that we should not be breathing and swallowing and wearing on our skin. So with that in mind, we need to now change how we're operating on a fire scene, on an emergency scene, on every single call. And if you think of pig pen from peanuts and that cloud <laughs> of visible dust, yeah. there's your visible of what we're working against. Yeah. Only we can't always see that cloud, but it's still there. So we're having to teach folks now there's a very prescribed method that we need to start following for taking your gear off, for decontaminating ourselves. And like both Bill and Bill this morning have said with the great points that they've made, these, these are going to be changes that, unfortunately, we have to do now, not yesterday. And we need to press into a culture that is full of tradition, is full of uh, standards, and operating guidelines and procedures that we have to try to move forward very quickly. Now, this is all great, and I love it. Believe me, I, I think we take care of, we should take care of the people that take care of us. And by the way, uh, Bill Banks, Cindy, I want to thank you both for your service. It is not easy work, and I respect both of you for what you do, and thank you. Here's the problem, or one of the problems I see. Aren't most of the uh, fire departments in this country volunteer? Am I correct on that? Uh, I'll go to Cindy with that one. Cindy, most are volunteer firefighters, correct? Approximately 80% of the U.S. Fire Service is still uh, of volunteer nature. Mm -hmm. There are opportunities for both federal and state funding. Okay. But unless you're working within the confines of a, a state or city municipality that is, you know, funded by government, yes, it's, it's volunteer fire service and folks donating their time to their community still, unless you're inside a city or municipality that has a structured service. Now, I'll be honest with this when I say this, because it's important, at least in my mind. When I was younger, uh, in high school in particular, we had kids who were part of the volunteer fire department. And sometimes they would get a call, and they would get up and they would leave. And I thought, man, this is BS. You know, right in the middle of a test, and this kid's gone. Okay. Then sometimes I would laugh to myself as I saw them driving with the blue light on. Uh, that changed very quickly as I got older, and the respect for what they do came out immensely. And I worry about these volunteers because they're not going to have the financial backing or the unions behind them that they need. Philadelphia is the closest city to us, only about 20 miles or so. And I can only imagine the politics that will occur there if you know we can you guys try to get the decontaminant in make the changes the whole nine yards it all comes down to money and that that scares me eventually i believe the cities the paid ones will get taken care of but those volunteers really really upset me and and i'll throw that one again back down to cindy cindy how do you see being able to fight that battle i know it's just the beginning we're, we're getting creative. In other words, we're, we're showing the volunteer fire departments and working with the National Volunteer Fire, fire Association, Firefighters Association, 
and International Association of Fire Chiefs has a combined department section as well. How to be creative, how to basically formulate those strategic community partners, whether it's your hospitals, your corporations, your business owners that have a vested interest, your residents, your community associations. These are all the folks now that we have to bring to the table to become better educated and get involved with the folks that serve their communities. That's going to include not only an understanding of what firefighters do and first responders do in their towns and their cities, but also what it costs to have them provide those services. Because even if they think people are just donating their time, those services are still not free. Let's go back real quick to the the uh, study we talked about earlier. Ran from 1950, I still believe, till 2010. Involved Philadelphia, Chicago, and San Francisco firefighters. This has not truly been made public yet. Is that correct, Bill Banks? Um, some of the studies have been made public, but they just haven't got the publicity that they need to get. And that's what we're trying to do, Cindy and myself. We're trying to get the word out and make these studies public so that everybody understands. Typically, if you talk to a normal person, they don't understand what's going on in the fire service, unfortunately, with the cancer. No, I don't think people think about it, because I know I don't. I mean, look, God forbid if there was ever a fire and, and I need you guys, thank God you're there, but I don't think beyond it. I mean, I think of firefighters when I watch reruns of Emergency. You know, I'm serious. I mean, who said, that's what I think of. It was a cool show. I was a kid. They go in. They put the fire out. They save a few lives. Every episode, there was one major blow-up, but everybody got back clean. No one looked bad. I mean, that's how it's portrayed, and, and that's how I view it. But it's not. It's a real occupation with real dangers to it, and I think people just don't get it. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think uh, the American people take it for granted that when they pick up the phone and dial 911, their volunteer firefighter is going to show up at their front door and put out the fire. Uh, or that uh, if they need an, an ambulance in an emergency, they're going to be able to dial 911, and that guy's going to show up, and he's going to get there quickly. I know when I was in law enforcement, uh, one of the things we used to keep track of was how rapidly we would get to a scene, and we were there within three minutes. Anytime anybody called, it was a the longest was three minutes. Uh, everybody takes that for granted. And when you see the police officer driving down the street, you want to avoid him. Why? Because you don't want to get a ticket. Um, <laughs> True. If you, if you see the firefighter, you think they just sit around in the firehouse all day drinking coffee and, and waiting for somebody to, to start a fire someplace. Um, <laughs> but not the case, though. But they don't know. You don't realize what's involved because most people aren't part of it. They don't They don't think about it. Uh, and nor should they have to sit there and, and worry about it all day long. But I think it's great that, that Cindy's getting out there and they're doing this uh, out in the public. And, and I think we're going to work very hard to make sure that more information gets out, uh, even here locally. I mean, we're right next to the Philadelphia Fire Department. Um, we're almost all volunteer fire departments around us in Chester Suburbs, County. Suburbs, yeah. yeah. Um, we, have a, we have a tax within our our phone system, our landlines, and our cell phones to pay for the 911 operations, and I believe for the firefighters as well. I don't know if it. Uh, I got to double money check gets that. To the firefighters, though, it, it just pays. I got to double check that. System. Cindy, real quick, um, can you give me the name of the study? Uh, it's totally. I'm totally drawing a blank. Um, this was this was called the the NIOSH study, and it was from 2010 to 2014. So N-I-O-S-H, uh, you can type that in, and, and it'll pop right up through Google search. 
Uh, the previous study was uh, Lemasters, L-E-M-A-S-T-E-R-S, of 2006, and that was a compilation of the previous 19 mortality and morbidity studies that were available worldwide. Interesting. Bill, Bill Banks, you got a couple yes. minutes left. I'm going to hit you with this first. Um, ongoing studies right now. You mentioned something about University of Miami. Are you involved or are you, you know what's going on with studies involving the uh, EZDCON DF200 or any other study involving any other uh, possible help for the situation? Yeah, UM is uh, paired up with a couple departments down in my area in South Florida. They're working with Palm Beach County and also with Miami-Dade. Um, they're out riding, uh, seeing what we do as far as the way we clean ourselves. Um, they have a chemist on board taking readings, and we're in the process of trying to work with uh, easy with the Easy Decon and UM, uh, trying to get them put together where we can do some testing with them. Um, FireTech, we are an NFPA 1851 uh, independent service provider, and we're the only uh, service provider in the state of Florida that are verified by UL. So we are in the process of speaking with Miami, trying to get them to our facility. Um, one of the things that we want to test is we want to test how dirty the bunker gear actually is with readings before it gets cleaned. And then after we uh, put it through our advanced cleaning to see how clean we actually get it, and that may cause us to change the standards under the National Fire Protection Association standards under 1851. Uh, great. Uh, guys, end of the show. So real quick, I'm going to go through the, the call again, the roundup. Cindy, please give us your contact information quickly. Yes, it's www.sfcancer.org. Bill Banks. Yeah, it's com, and the phone number is 561-441-4756. Bill Young. Uh, first, Cindy, you wanted to get your phone number in there, and I think that's really important. Yes, toll free, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 866-411-3323. Okay, and for me, it's moldenmoredecon.com, www.moldn as in Nancy, M-O-R-E-D-E-C-O-N.com, and 610-590-0380. Bill Banks, Cindy L., Bill Young, I want to thank you for both, all three of you being on the show and opening up my eyes in particular to the real-life situations firefighters are facing, especially with cancer and everything else. So, again, open-door policy with Bill Banks and with Cindy L. I want you guys back in the future. Keep me updated, and we can keep doing this from time to time. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate you having us. Thank you. Thank you. you. No problem. You've been listening to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Aberly. Be back again next week.